What's up, Jay Brones? Live from Toronto, Ontario, in Kansas City, Missouri. This is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. Mark, it's April 15th, and you know what that means. WWE 416 said I just fired your ass. <laughs> I have I just sent I just uh, forwarded you your release papers from Torture Act Worldwide. Strictly budgetary reasons, you know. Oh my god. We've loved having you and you know I... you were you were you and Thomas were a great tag team but we broke you apart and I hope but... you find success uh, in all your future endeavors. But John, you don't even pay me. <laughs> what like what I budgetary said, bu- reason budgetary could this be? And it doesn't make sense. I can't believe how many people were like. I can't believe who was let go from WWE, dude. It's so funny that it happened to happen on the day that we're recording, and how tasteless it was that it happened literally a year to the day of the, the last mass day. release. It's like don't treat your employees like spring cleaning your closet. Like that's rude. But I mean, okay, yeah, breaking up the iconics and then. Just releasing both of them is out of all the releases. That's the like, especially because the both of them seem pretty like stoked to be a part of WWE and doing what they're doing. Like, and they're just both really charismatic and funny. And they're, I would say, one of the two actual women's tag teams they have in the entire women's tag team division, along with the Riot Squad. So, I, I, I'm flabbergasted by that. Letting go, Joe. I I think. I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense, but I think it's equally stupid. Like he's the best. Like Joe is the best. You don't want Joe on the on the other program. Like, I forget Joe I was someone. This was a comment from someone online, so I don't want to take credit for it. But someone said, "Do you keep someone at a Kofi who is an employee that's a Kofi level pay doing Byron's job?" Which I feel like is a good way of describing like what I know, Joe but has he's only he's only on commentary because he got injured during eight. WWE commercial shoots. Yeah, that's lame. Well, I think it's it's weird though, because like I I like on one hand, it's like it sucks for all of these people because you obviously don't want to see super talented people unemployed or like kind of uh, you know not not working where they should be. But I every time there's a huge release from WWE, it's like oh sick. What are all these people gonna do now? Because there is so many places for them to go. So it's like, do you think? Uh, do you think Samojo joins Team Taz? I, I don't think. I or think t- he or takes over. Own. Yeah, like I think he should be. He he should that that would be an incredible storyline for him to take over. See, but him and Taz wouldn't have a match though, because Taz isn't gonna wrestle. I feel like they would be such natural opponents, like Taz and Joe. Taz like, and Joe, like- dude. Taz ECW Taz versus like. TNA Joe, God damn it! ROH Joe, like Joe from that video that we or that match we watched uh, last week. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! Well, yeah, it's like even just like thinking about the different people they faced, like the two of them at their peak. That that's definitely if I was like dream booking through history, would be for sure a matchup. I really hope Samoa Joe ends up in AEW. Dream booking <laughs> through history. Can that be a new segment? Dream yeah, booking totally. through history. Dude, you got to throw uh, in some music under your uh, little voice. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Don't worry. Uh, dude, but yeah, like, Iconics and Joe, I feel like, have the most upside and, like, could pretty much slot anywhere in terms of uh, North American 
promotions. Yeah. For sure. Thomas mentioned NJPW for Joe, but like Joe is winding down his career. He wants to be somewhere where he can, you know, maybe put on a couple more banger matches and then just transition into either a backstage or like, like I thought Joe was good on commentary. He was the best commentary Same. they had. Um, also, yeah, no, much. no, that was me saying Joe's doing Byron's job was not a, a slam on Joe. I think he's, he, <laughs> he adds so much in, in terms of commentary because it's yeah but he's the third man i know what you mean he's the third man yeah and it it is like totally he has added he what he did add a lot to wrestlemania just with his calls i remember feeling like that but yeah someone online said that they're gonna miss him commentating on drew's matches and i also oh yeah yeah absolutely and then yeah just such a dumb like the iconics were such an entertaining tag team and then we're broken up. Then Billy was put on like random storyline. Actually, team. blows my mind. They just like didn't they tag? Um, they tagged Peyton with who was what's it? that? It wasn't uh, the Lana? knockout? Uh, Liberty, well, not Liberty. Liberty Bell. Oh, oh, blow. oh, oh. Uh, the fa- Liberty Bell, but WWE Lacey, Liberty. Lacey Evans. Yes, Lacey, Lacey Evans. Evans. Um, they, they, yeah, break them up and then just put them in like a weird mashup tag team. It's like. It's as if someone is working on the inside trying to sabotage the WWE tag team booking division. Like, it makes no sense to me. And just, like, I don't know. Like, to me, their whole... Th- their, just how entertaining their, like, shtick was. It's very, like... It was, it, to me, was very perfect for... It was, like, I feel like ha- tailor-made for WWE. Just, like, the, their promo... The way they cut promos. And totally. Just that, that cadence that is often very annoying in WWE where they're, like kind of pace themselves around like what well no even just the way that they speak their promos where they talk like this and wait (laughs) and try to circumvent the what like they i feel like they're the way that they cut their promos in that way it was like i don't know it was perfect for that but yeah i i hope the iconics end up in wwe or sorry in aew for sure um i do too i mean it makes sense like peyton is married to sean spears um and I don't know. The, the AEW women's division is just like, where else would you want to be right now? They're obviously not going back to NXT. No. Um, so I think it would be it would be fantastic to have them. And Joe, as a commentator, as a manager, like as someone, I know we were we keep talking about like too many old like people from WWE uh, on the AEW program. <laughs> Definitely but in this feeling case, that. Not even just old people in general. Not even from WWE. But like, yeah. Uh, I in when this it comes case, to Joe, Samoa Joe, will, dude, the, one of the best Samoa ever. Joe. Yeah, yeah I, dude. I totally Tony Khan probably already typed up the contract. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they can't wrestle until June, eh? So oh stupid. yeah, I'm sure it's that, that that contract's already written. There's no Joe is way too much of a force to pass up, especially just with his like, I don't know, just with how influential he's been, like in the era that all of the people in AEW are influenced by, basically, like all sort of the younger uh, AEW totally. wrestlers. And I agree. You know, the rest of the people that are released. I feel like most of the rest are maybe not that big of a surprise to me. The only person that I hate to see on that list is Chelsea Green because she just like did not have the chance, right? Yeah, to shine she's on the main great. roster. Totally got called up and just didn't have a chance to shine. Got injured and is gone. Like that just to me that's just a waste. Like it's just an absolute waste. But um, I I was really hoping to see. As these names came out, I was like, please release Alistair Black. Please release Alistair Black. <laughs> the but opposite, right? I didn't get to click on that yeah. link that you sent. There was a... It wasn't me. It was Thomas. Oh, yeah. There was a pre... He's getting repackaged or a new promo or something. I guess. Mm. 
Whatever, yeah, I don't man. know about that. But oh. yeah, hopefully we'll we'll find out about these people. I'm still waiting to see where uh, Andrade and Zelina Vega end up. It seems like ROH, I think. And I will start watching watching ROH if that's the case. Uh, I will definitely consider watching ROH. I don't know how to watch ROH, but I will definitely check it out. I looked into uh, it, and when they first released their online streaming platform, you had to buy like the year. It was like $125 for the year. And you got access to everything, but it was. I was like, I don't. I think I like our Ring of Honor's like weekly shows enough to like just show out that kind of money. Yeah, like and because yeah. it's like their their weekly shows. At least the last time I watched them, they're very much almost like house shows. Kind of, they feel a little. They almost feel like not. I mean, I could be wrong now, but the way the last time I watched it, it felt even like less of a storyline than like Elevation or something. Not that Elevation. Oh, really? and Elevation has a lot of storylines weaved into it, but like, yeah, it just kind of felt like we we're. You're, if you like watching matches, like if you wanted to watch a bunch of Road Twos for New Japan for one hundred twenty-five dollars a year, and I might be wrong now, and but now you can pay ten dollars a month, so I'm going to subscribe. Uh, oh, cool! And check it out, uh, just because Brody King's faction seems sick, like Brody King and uh, yeah. Dickinson and Deppin Homicide. And then if Andrade and Zelina go there too, like that's like more than enough reason to pay ten dollars a month to check that out. Um, so yeah, do you think uh, uh, Andrade will become the head booker of ROH as well? <laughs> I think so. But he would be a great Ring of Honor champion, and like even him totally. against anybody, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be rant like if it was Andrade versus random all the random like indie elevation wrestlers. It's like I'll watch that because Andrade is so good. Uh, that's that's that is very true. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the list, it seems like well, they'll, most of them will, maybe that'll be like, they'll head to Impact, maybe Ring of Honor. Mickey James would be a great AEW women's wrestler, just with her, like, how talented she is in ring, to have, like, a veteran like that, that, like, seems very, um, I don't know, just down to do whatever, like, I remember yeah. I didn't know her that well, and then she had that storyline with Alexa Bliss a while ago where she was like in uh, a mask, and I don't know. Yeah, I really enjoy her in-ring work. She'd be cool to see, especially like Mickey James versus Sheeta, Mickey James versus Tay Like, why break up Heavy Machinery and then release Tucker? I don't understand that. I don't know, like, man. Yeah, they were just they were like this. Tucker is a star. Like he's gonna stand on his own. Like he'd be way better in, in heavy machinery than than single wrestler. Am, like you am mean I, Otis? Am I yeah, yeah. Sorry, Otis. Because Tuck, yeah. Tucker is the one that was released. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I love. I I remember like one of the first times I saw heavy machinery in NXT, and they're like yelling about stakes and weights. Like I was like, oh, this is like 1990s WWE. Like we yeah, need it's, this. It's, like it's, it's funny classic. and goofy. Like bushwhackers, kind of, sort of like just yeah they had good energy together and they were fun and yeah there that's another tag team that was like yeah, unfortunately broke bushwhackers up. uh meets the uh natural disasters basically. yeah dude good call for sure <laughs> speaking of nxt though uh at the start of this wrestlemania week the first thing that we watched was nxt stand and deliver nights one and two. Oh yeah uh, and nxt i think this is the first time ever that we chose nxt over AEW. Yeah, uh, and also the last because they're no longer on the same on the same <laughs> night. Just to say, I wasn't sure where you're going with that because I was like, we're gonna keep watching NXT. <laughs> this it sounded like also the last because we hated it and it was the no, worst man. show we've ever watched. So I feel like the last time we watched NXT was in your house 
and it was definitely a yeah. weird transition period for NXT. And I wasn't a huge fan of the, of the pay per view, and also that it was kind of the nail in the coffin to like, all right, we're not we're not really going to watch NXT right now, especially if it's on the same day as AEW. The idea of like going back, picking a time, coordinating to watch it, like probably not going to happen. Uh, but now that it's going to its own night, we decided let's watch Send and Deliver. It looks like a great card, and this was. Uh, I would say the best NXT takeover that I've seen in in quite some time. This was to me kind of like in the area of a vintage takeover. Like l no bad matches, lots of excellent matches, and just like a couple of banger main events uh, for both nights. Yeah, I the only the only other time that I have watched and there's only been this is the second time I've ever watched NXT over AEW, and the only other time was when Rhea beat. Faith Shana. Right. That's right. There was They had that time. weird Dark Order takeover with Cutler getting his tooth taken out uh, <laughs> at the same time. And, like, I know we've said this before, but I remember the whole time you were like, like, dude, you're watching Rocky, and I don't I don't even know what I'm watching. Uh, and, I'm like, watching Rhea's, something like, very crappy. <laughs> standing on top of the, uh, like, crowd of people holding the belt high. But, yeah, like, that. that's the last time that I remember choosing to watch it over. And up until, like, the early afternoon of Wednesday, I remember all of us t texting, like, dude, yeah, Dynamite tonight. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, Walter yeah, versus Yeah, when we looked at the cards, Ch like, Ciampa, Wal like, Walter versus Ciampa, like, that's something you need to see live. Yeah. Gonzalez versus Io Shirai, like, there was a very good Same, chance that there yeah. was going to be a title change, the end of Io's reign, like, felt worth watching. Um, for me, I was what I was really surprised about with on this card were the matches that I was not looking forward to really over delivering, right? Um, and that's what made me want to like uh, just kind of continue watching NXT. It opened up with Pete Dunne versus Kushida, which was really really good. Um, it's so great to see Pete Dunne again. Yeah, so good to uh, see the Bruiserweight back in action and like mixing it up with someone that we're like psyched about. Also, like Kushida is such a cool opponent for Pete Dunne. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was such a great uh, opening match. Yeah, it was so high energy. It just, like, never stopped. They had great clashing styles. And at the moment, not to jump ahead or anything like that, but at the moment, Kushida's actually the cruiserweight champion. So clearly oh, they right. also yeah. see uh, big things in him, too. But, yeah, this was an awesome opener. Dude, yeah, that clip, that uh, gift that you sent of, the, of uh, him and Escobar, like, going wild. So yeah. good. Yeah, I NXT, I'm so psyched about NXT again. It's cool just the amount of, like, I was, like, thinking about it before we recorded, just the how great it is that there is so much good wrestling to watch now because it's, like, at the beginning of 2020, like, New Japan was, like, number one for me. And then as the year progressed, like, AEW kind of took that spot. And then, to a lesser degree, GCW. And now sure. I feel like NXT definitely has, like, has my mind is like sort of the what's going to happen next spot certainly for, has my attention for, like they have a the first time in a while i think we were like worried that the the roster wasn't that deep but looking at these two nights that they filled up like these 10 matches plus the pre-show obviously there's a few people like that we still are not quite sold on like in the next match the gauntlet eliminator this to me like way over delivered i was not looking forward to this it was so cool to see oh, yeah. uh la la night debut but um you know dexter loomis and cameron grimes um Grimes in ring, like, totally won me over, but he <laughs> got to be one of the worst costumes, like, get-ups <laughs> coming to the ring ever. We were like, what is this guy, like, the dude in, like, high school who just, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> 
So then he looks like he would have wore a cape in high school. Uh, it's like the and guy then who Dex- plays like Warhammer after school. 100% sat at the same like cafeteria table together. <laughs> <laughs> Dexter Loomis, like, I, it's just like, you're a serial killer, but you're also a cartoonist. <laughs> I just can't. It's kind, I can't it, with this guy. I mean, is it? I don't. I haven't read any interviews with him, but yeah, it's very like almost like a villain from Dexter, the TV show. Um, well, that's it. And, and Loomis like it. is like Doctor Sam Loomis from, uh, or Doctor Loomis from Halloween, and right. then also in Scream, Billy Loomis was his name. So like, it's very much like They're I am there. a serial killer. But yeah. yeah, I guess in in that he's it's like. I can very clearly hear the Dexter TV show talking about someone who's like been on the boardwalk drawing characters and is now killing people. Um, so in that way, I mean, maybe it's a, a great uh, character and give a dude but... would get his throat slit by Dexter so fast. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> in the back of a van. Dexter's already got the fucking plastic laid out and shit. Anyway, anyway, this match was awesome. Like Isaiah Swerve Scott. And Leon Ruff, like, absolutely killed it. They started off, and, like, yeah, I, I, I'm so invested in them now. And LA Knight, I, I was happy he didn't win it because I was a little bit underwhelmed uh, by his debut. I think feel like you felt the same. You are like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. but Dude, uh, but speaking of, yeah, uh, natural disasters, Bronson Reed fuck. bringing, like, earthquake energy to NXT, it's... I, I would say bringing, like I said before, uh, big Jeff Cobb energy. Oh yeah, you said that. You know, and I didn't really make that connection. I in my mind, I was just because he's such a like a like a hoss brawler. It's like, oh, dude, this is like earthquake. But yeah, maybe that's like he also maybe, pulled out a moon salt. Not so much John Tenta, more so Jeff Cobb. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, he that yeah he was my. I fa- I didn't. I haven't. I don't think I've actually Dexter Loomis. I think out of that whole group uh, in this gauntlet is the only person that him. we have seen. Everyone yeah. else was new in terms of I think I think in ring to us, um, and yeah, th- I it's... think we've probably seen Isaiah Swerve Scott before, but this was definitely his biggest like mm. stage. Yeah, yeah, he was and a great villain. It just reminds me of like it remind the energy and just you know the the uh, yeah the energy of that match reminded me of like old school like North American ladder match North American title ladder match with totally a bunch of people was... who have varying styles and it's yeah it was really great. I think this is also uh, like the energy that I would have wanted from the uh, match at the AW Revolution. The um, what was it? Oh, what was the it? Uh, uh, face of the Revolution ladder match with Archer, Penta, Cody. Yeah. yeah, and this was not even a ladder match, but it was just like it just had amazing energy and it. Yeah, I, I'm sold on Cameron Grimes in ring. Dexter Loomis, not so much, but I'm I'm willing to give this the the undercard a shot because this was just I thought it was just stacked. And yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, Champa versus Valter, not the best best match of the entire takeover, but absolutely the best match of the night. Um, I love seeing Walter in against like an underdog. It's the best, like a smaller guy. Like it, it absolutely brings out the best in Walter. It really does, yeah. And just the way, I don't know the way. With Ciampa's injuries and the way that they worked that match where he was, like, really going hard on Ciampa's neck, like... He was mercilessly going after (laughs) Ciampa's neck. Like, he was, like, stepping on his neck. There was an amazing moment where uh, Ciampa was, like, just basically over the top rope and, like, bent back, hanging over the apron. And Walter just had his foot on the dude's neck. Just, like, 
really looking like he was pressing hard. That was super cool. But then Champa was also going after um going after Walter's arm so he couldn't hit like huge chops and shit. Yeah, the story back and forth between the two, uh working the neck versus working uh the hurt hand slash arm. Oh, that's right, because Walter tried to chop Champa and then chop the announce table. And right, hurt his hands. yeah, and the table like broke apart. Uh, they should definitely make a uh, playset of Walter Chiampa <laughs> and a broken <laughs> table. Uh, table broken in half. Would one hundred percent buy? Did, have they made a Walter figure yet? It seems like uh, that should be something that exists. Uh, but I don't I, know. I've stopped looking for figures because it just makes me want to buy them. Do you have any AEW figures yet? No. I know there was a point where it seemed like maybe you were going to buy the scale ring, but that was before I moved to Toronto. Oh, if you recall, that's just when I had money and nothing to spend it on. Right. But yeah, I love, I love this match. One of my favorite matches of last week. Yeah. I, as much as like, I, I hope Walter stays in NXT for a while. Um, like I would love to Same. see, it seems, it seems like I, f- I can't remember exactly what I read, but there was something about how Triple H said on a call, something like Walter would keep working between, uh, NXT UK and NXT um, proper. Yeah. That, that was like part of, like moving forward that he would be a presence on both shows. So, and I know just from reading interviews with him online that he doesn't really have a strong interest in moving to the States, uh, which I do not blame him for. So Same. Um, yeah, I feel like this is the longest modern like title reign in WWE, uh, which puts it in, contention for just like the longest uh title reign like overall like can you think of like someone who's held the title any title longer than two years recently other than like okada that's what i was gonna say okada would be probably beat him right but otherwise yeah i don't know incredible title reign from from volter uh can't wait to see what matchups come next but this this really felt like a dream match like when it came up like champa versus versus volter because I don't know, Champa usually seems like he has the upper hand in most matches, and in this one he was, yeah, very much the underdog. Loved seeing that scrappy energy from him come out, like he was cho- trying to chop down a tree. Um, really, really cool. Yeah, like it's he, and it's usually like he is a, a heel who outsmarts his opponents. Like he's usually more like like in ring is more intelligent than his opponent, but. With Walter, it's like it, that doesn't matter at all. It does not help you at you all. Into another dimension, <laughs> regardless of what you have schemed or planned or whatever. And yeah, it's you know I I feel like that's like it was great to see Champa in a new feud too. Like to see him and Wal- Walter mixing it up. Like I don't know if this is this feud has happened yet since we haven't been watching NXT for the like the last like couple months. But it'd be great to see Champa versus Dunn also. Uh, would really love to see I do that. not think that match has happened recently. So, that yeah, that would also be awesome. Man, almost as good, or I would say just as good as uh, the Champa-Walter match was the MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans versus Legato Del Fantasma triple threat uh, for the tag titles, the vacant tag titles after, I believe it was um, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan had to vacate the titles because I believe... Uh, Oni got hurt? Am I right, right about that? I'm not sure. One of them got hurt. About who was hurt. One of them was hurt, yeah. No worries. Uh, it, I love how hyped up... I, I really love how hyped up you were about this match while we were watching it. It's very rare, I feel like, to... 
I, th- I think it happens a lot when we watch GCW. Like when you see a match where it's like, I've never seen any of these people. And right. This is incredible. And then like, you get super psyched about all of them. Yeah, totally. Um, and MSK is like, would fit right in on the AEW uh, tag division right now against like the Young Bucks and Top Flight and um, Ray Fenix and, and Pac. Just like crazy flippy shit baby faces. And then Phantasma yeah. and Grizzly Young Veterans are two kind of different kinds of uh, heels. Uh, Grizzling Veterans are almost like an FTR style tag team. They're like kind of back to basics. They had a totally. Doomsday device in the middle of the that match. That was sick. One of them yeah. running down the ramp. And oh the other my guy, god! Like, right. Him over the shoulders. Jumped yeah. over. Oh, so fucking sick. And I love Legado del Fantasma. I love what Santos Escobar has put together uh, with these guys. And yeah, they they were awesome. Great lucha style. This just like felt like an AEW opening match to me. Like it felt like so much fun. Yeah, I and. You know, I when the match started, I wasn't invested one way or the other. But the second the like the action hit, I was like, "Dude, this is it! Like NXT is back." Uh, yeah, the tag division is strong. Yeah. The undercard is strong, and like the main events all also strong. I heard that Raquel Gonzalez and Io Shirai had to cut a little short, which makes sense because it. I think it was only around 12 minutes, whereas a lot mm-hmm. of the other matches were like 15, so you'd think that it would be a little bit longer. But I felt like they, they did everything that they wanted to do. They did that amazing spot of Io Shirai jumping off of the uh, entrance ramp. Yeah, yeah, 12.56 exactly, actually. And it, it, it definitely felt long enough for a title match, even though that's not a long time for a match. Like, a lot happened within that 12 minutes, and just their... The pairing of Raquel Gonzalez being kind of a more grounded giant, basically, and yeah, totally. Io Shirai being the high flyer, uh, genius of the very sky. Very cool matchup, like very sick energy between the two of them. Like the the sort of chemistry that they they have together. You know, I don't know, man. I that's another one too. Like Raquel Gonzalez is someone that I was just like, I don't really know that much about this person, but like. I think the one time we saw her, she kind of, like, interrupted someone else's match and came in as, like, the again, like a sort right. of diesel yes. kind of cooler character. Yeah. And we were like, okay, she's tall, but, like, how good is she in the ring? And she's awesome in ring. She, like, absolutely killed it in this match. Yeah, I just, dude, EO's entrance, whose entrance is even, like... I mean, clo- I mean, we, we will talk about entrances, I guess, with WrestleMania 37, but, like, a regular entrance that's not a special WrestleMania entrance, I don't know if anyone's is better. Maybe Carrion Cross. I like Eos more, but Carrion's. <laughs> That's totally fair, man. If I have one regret uh, of not watching NXT, it's that we totally missed Io Shirai's like title reign, right? And she was like, hol- has been holding it down. I'd like to go back and watch some of those matches uh, from different takeovers that that we might have. Yeah, missed. like War Games where she's in a garbage can throwing herself. I guess I watched some Dude, of that match actually. You, I don't think you. Did, I did though. not watch any of it. No. Yeah. And I thought that, honestly, night two was, like, maybe even better than night one. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, actually. I mean, the, the uh, over Mania week, I feel like we were treated to so many good matches. But the main event of night two of TakeOver Stand and Deliver was absolutely insane. Uh, Outstanding. I would say match of the year so far, easily. Just the stuff that they did throughout that match, too. It's like, how how are they doing all of this? I don't know, man. That 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 uh, the brawling that they did on the outside, just a lot of the spots where they're like using stairs, like 
Remember when Kyle punched the chair to save himself? Yeah. Oh, and then throughout, you know, what the one and now kind of like in reflecting on this, like one thing that I had loved the use of was the chain. I feel like so often, and you know more than anyone how much I dislike kendo sticks. It's nice to see like creativity brought to like a hardcore match in a major promotion. I feel like in major promotions, it's like chair spot, chair spot, announcer table spot, kendo stick spot. Like and and kendo sticks are you like I the reason I don't like kendo sticks is because it's like not a thing. Like why are they there? Like why are they like in terms of believability <laughs> for wrestling? Like I don't I can believe like almost anything. Like that Alexa Bliss can shoot fireballs. That uh, the fiend is a real monster living among us from another dimension but the fact that like just regular people are carrying around like kendo sticks so there's it's not kendo happening. sticks yeah. under that ring you yeah or like a... yeah or even just like the the fact that like it's like okay like charlotte in her hardcore matches has used kendo sticks it's like and alexa bliss too it's like so they're carrying kendo sticks with them in their gear bag and th- like hopefully that's <laughs> under the ring and they could use it or what like steve blackman well, sometimes you know they're training for sword fights and you know they have to have kendo sticks uh, and I didn't mean to jump over Karen Cross versus Finn Balor because there's quite a few great matches on night two as well. Uh, oh yeah, that was that was a super great matchup. But honestly, if we go through like match for match of this entire week, we'll we'll be here for like we're gonna be here until midnight, hours. eight o'clock right yeah. now. Yeah, but I, um, I I did love Karen Cross and Finn Balor like their matchup. Like uh, again, like Finn just being like trying to use his quickness and just getting kind of caught out of the air by Karen Cross a lot and just being put down. Uh, but I also think that Finn Balor is the exact kind of opponent that Karrion Cross is like not ready for. Like he thinks he can just overpower this guy, but Finn is so strong, like he's so ripped, and like you know, his his speed, his agility, along with like his striking power, like makes him a really vicious opponent for Karrion. So I don't think he was quite ready for this one. I like how I'm speaking about it as if it's like kayfabe, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 they were. They, I thought that was a really great contrasting style matchup, but they were they were awesome. But back to Kyler Riley and Adam Cole and the chain. The clothesline was the chain. Oh, was one of the coolest yeah, hardcore dude. moves I've seen in a long time. Just like wrapping the chain, the length of the rope, and then I, I, I think it was Kyler Riley who used it, right? Yeah. And then like yep. clothesline to Adam Cole. That was fucking incredible. Uh, uh, Kyler Riley was wrapping his. Fist and change at, at around the end of the match, he wrapped his knee in chains and hit a huge knee drop from the top rope. This was like they've they've basically they've recreated the intensity of uh, Gargano Champa with this kind of like undisputed era implosion. Implodes. Yeah, yeah, for real. And you know this, yeah. W- there have been very few matches since we've been watching and grading wrestling together that we both have graded an A plus for, but. This I really felt like it. I I feel like Kyle O'Reilly might be the best seller in the business right now. Like, not just selling like the pain, but like se- selling like when he comes back. At one point, he hits Adam Cole with this with this like huge lariat, and just in his face, he's just like so in this match. Like he's so in this performance, he's feeling everything. I I think he's. I think he's going to be huge, actually. Someone I really didn't see, I thought, is kind of like one of the lesser members of the Undisputed Era, has become the like, best. Yeah, like a, a main event dude. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they ruin him on the main roster. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it is like unfortunate that that's like I've been thinking about that this whole time. We've been talking about how much we love all these people and like how how like the uh, 
NXT is in such a great place right now. And it's just something I feel like we all, as viewers and fans, have to resign ourselves to that they'll eventually get called up, they'll eventually be put on main event, and then they'll eventually be let go, and then we get to see them somewhere else in a sixth spot again. Like, and in they some get instances. They called up so fast before they have a chance to do what they should be doing there, and then without any replacements and just leaving another, like, gaping hole. In, right. Like, like when Keith Lee left recently, and like. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like, it's just a reality of NXT and WWE, and it's, you know, there's enough places for everybody to go now where it's like, fine, if this is the pattern that we're going to just continue to watch happen, where there are these incredible people who rip it up outside of WWE or even within the Performance Center system and then to through NXT, and then they get called up, then they get let go, and it's like, you know, I don't know. At this point, it's just like that is the process, and very few people break through and sort of establish themselves on the main roster um at least since we've been watching nxt i can't think of anybody actually i was about to say like who is that person is there Um, like Rhea? i guess Rhea and bianca yeah it's like you know let's let's give give it some time on that but they've definitely like been put in big spots and like both won the titles honestly well regardless Um, of what happens to them like future wise i feel like that is an example of two people who they actually you know we we were kind of shaky on like what had what the the sort of um direction of Rhea of last wrestlemania with charlotte and you know yes yeah and then getting kind of put into that like whack storylines with like uh i don't remember that person's name but the she was in an intergender match with somebody but then in, within that too had like a sick cage match with uh mercedes martinez uh, yeah, I, I, but uh, out of men, of the male performers, I don't think anybody. Has there been anyone that's been called Alistair Black was sidelined? Andrade? Oh, Drew, I guess. Drew is that person. Finn Balor almost because they put the Universal Title on him, and then no, though. Yeah, he was like, but then, but he did get injured. Like if he hadn't, he was the he's the first Universal Title winner. It's weird to think about that. Yeah, it is really weird to think about that. Like he could have. If he had not got injured in that match, who knows what would have happened? Like, we really don't know because they were pushing him. There was so much hype around Balor, too, at that time, just coming off of New Japan and just, yeah. Uh, who who did they compare him to? Like, someone else who got injured. Oh, Carrion. Because Carrion won the NXT title and, and got injured, but then he came back, like, two months later and has just won it again. Um, yeah, him and Scarlett it, are awesome. Like, I love their... I love the, <laughs> like... It's like an intense like theater production between the two of them, like especially with the <laughs> totally. gear that he's wearing too. Like, feels like, uh, yeah, very theatrical um, in like a good way. Uh, well, we were talking about it while it was happening because I was like, if you just like take away the presentation and everything, Karen Cross just kind of looks like low rent Randy Orton. Yeah, there are times where he either looks like a terrifying monster destroyer. Or just like a regular dude. Right. A regular dude you wouldn't want to fuck with, but just like a regular guy. Like, not. Yeah, he can work in your office or something. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could easily see him, like, yeah, just random dude. Yeah, that's Carrion. He fixes the the copy machine. (laughs) That's Killer Cross. (laughs) He's in IT. Anyway, I loved TakeOver. We're going to start watching NXT. Dude, yeah. I mean, You'll be hearing I, I, us talk about NXT more throughout the coming months. I'm stoked to watch it. Hopefully, like, 
you know, after that that uh, incredible show, uh, you know, one of our favorite shows of the year, actually. Um, I can't think of a show I enjoyed as much as NXT Stand and Deliver, like apart from GCW Spring Break. Uh, it's like they, they offer different things. I would say like work rate rise, like NXT Stand and Deliver, especially night two. But then GCW, just from like an experience point of view, from like different kinds of matches, like it was probably the most entertaining package Um why don't we, let's talk about GCW because it was the next one we watched, right? We didn't watch. Yeah, um, we, if we're we doing it, it before WrestleMania. Yeah, actually, t- timeline wise, yeah, we we woke up Saturday morning, uh, threw on GCW. I made blueberry right. pancakes for me and Co during the death match. <laughs> so I'm just like learning more and more about myself as as I watch more GCW because I genuinely thought I would not like. The shit that happened in that death match. Yeah. Like, I really thought, like, okay, I, I wouldn't like it if... What what were they using again? Oh, Skewers. my God. Oh, my God. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Just big boards full of skewers. And then... And other times they would just take a handful of skewers, put it on the guy's <laughs> top of the guy's head, and just like pound it in. And then it was just they were just sticking out of the dude's head, and they're big holes. Like those aren't like tiny, like tack holes. Like they're bigger. Like skewers are big. I was like, what? The, you guys are gonna take parts of this guy's skull out? Like, I couldn't believe I how much I enjoyed it. Dude, as Masada and Atticus Kogar ripped into each other, I was dropping fresh blueberries into <laughs> pancakes. Uh, and it's funny because uh, Siobhan, from just being in the room while I'm watching wrestling, like blood doesn't bother her. Most death matches, especially like AEW, like death sure. matches, you know, don't bother her. Uh, sure. But with this, I was like, I think probably don't look at the screen while this match is going on. Like, I don't think you're you will want to see it. It's no like I, I knew like as soon as I seen skewers, I was like, you don't need to see this. And then like she looked up a few times and was like, oh, my God, what is, what is that? Like, what's going on? Uh, and it's like, dude, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear like hear from someone who's taken a skewer spot. Like what how painful that really is versus the vi- like the visual is truly horrifying. And I've seen some death matches, actually quite a few death matches that use them. But like. To like, think it about looks it. crazy. Like they're think in your head, it. and you think he- about the ske- like. Get a skewer and like start poking it under your head, and just see how much resistance you're getting. Like, uh, yeah, it would take so like to like pound that in. I I imagine that would be quite painful. But it's like more than that. It's like the splinters that just kill me. True. Like yeah, and the idea that they might get splinters, I'm just like that's horrifying. I absolutely loved watching GCW on Saturday morning while making pancakes. I got to say that. That Dude. was like a great. I wish GCW had a TV show on Saturday morning at like noon Eastern. Dude. Uh, wake up, make brunch, and watch death matches. That's like, yeah, perfect, I, perfect I, Saturday I, I morning. Was, I was so impressed by Atticus Kogar uh, in this match. Yeah. Just like he, like he really hung with Masada in a way that I did not expect. Yeah, and the story. Yeah, the story that was told throughout the match was great. Masada, this this true death match legend, uh, the original death dealer, you might say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just yeah, hung with him. Uh, Want to say blow for blow, but like spike for spike, you know, like. 
what else was in this match? Because it wasn't just the skewers. There was at one point there were he, um, Masada was writing his name on Atticus Kogar, and you can't do that with. Oh, I don't remember he, what he used. Do you have like an ice pick or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm thinking of like Joe Pesci and like Scorsese. <laughs> what? Use a fucking ice pick or something? What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Why don't you just take his fucking eye out with the ice pick? Um, dude, Joe Pesci on commentary would be great. The wet, the wet bandits dude, on commentary. That that's a dream commentary team there. I'm so glad you said that because I really <laughs> felt like commentary was in rare form. Like every now and then, there's someone annoying on a GCD, uh, GCW show, but it was just so funny the whole way through this time. Yeah, there was a point where what what did he reference being from feudal Japan? Like that call <laughs> was hilarious. I forget. <laughs> I forgot to write down. I forgot to write down. There's quite a few good calls, but that was one that really has stuck oh. with me a few times that I laughed to myself about. I think it was like a, maybe it was like a weapon or something that was used that he said <laughs> that was brought over from feudal Japan. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like throughout the whole event, I, dude, yeah, uh, he Kevin Gill absolutely crushed commentary, and I I know that he did commentary on quite a few shows, so like. Yeah, he definitely held down held down the Oh, the so desk true. Yeah, and, that would have been a, a big big weekend for him. Yeah, but I I absolutely I, I think and and the thing is too with like it's almost like comforting to hear someone react the way like a real person would react to stuff like this. I think that yes. that's with something like Masada and Atticus Kogar to hear someone who is around this stuff all the time still reacting in the way that like we all would react to such a a match. Like That's so true. Man, He's definitely, like, in contention for me this year as, like, one of my favorite commentators, along with uh, Excalibur and, obviously, the great uh, Kevin... Um, Kelly? Kelly. Jesus Christ. The great wow. Kevin Kelly. Shut a lot of Kevins. Kev- I did say I'm, Kevin Gill. I'm editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also just want to give a shout-out to um, my favorite character of the um, of the event, Blackheart Leo Rush, dude, yeah, uh, and his and his entrance, which was so cool, and just like the use of music, I just love the GCW entrances, like uh, Gregory Iron coming into All Night Long by Lionel Richie. <laughs> yeah. I have not stopped listening to that song. <laughs> Forgot how great it was. Like, what a great like track to to come into. Like, fuck, they're so they're so fun there. That's like to me, that's like Jungle Boy shit. I know that they obviously don't have it in perpetuity. yeah well it's like that's and so cool that AEW and tony khan recognizes that that's a thing that we all like are hungry for within wrestling is like or like what and what made like ecw great back in the day was like all of the sick entrance songs that are edited out of the network like you know natural born killers during new jack's match is like maybe unparalleled uh in my opinion in terms of like in-ring entrance plus it plays during the whole match and yeah all of these people using like 80s like jams as their uh theme music it's great i I, i'm loving it It's, it's super sick man speaking of like great talkers i was in love with the chris dickinson promo that happened before the joey janela match like this huge grudge match that he just goes on this tear like the whole time talking about how sh- shitty Joe Janelle is, <laughs> and then he's just like, "You got to be ready to die." I love you though. <laughs> I just thought that was the the best thing, and and their match was absolutely crazy. Avalanche Death Valley Driver off the ladder, from off of the Chris biggest ladder that I'd seen in a while. 
Uh, yeah. And he, also, he climbed on it the wrong side, and it, it's not like a fake WWE ladder. It's like a real ladder that has yeah, they just the ladder they bought at Home on. Depot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Dickinson was just hitting these amazing dragon screws that were just so brutal looking. And right. it's been a while since I've seen a dragon screw that looked brutal. Like, usually they just look like gymnastics. But it look, really looked like he was trying to fuck out that dude's leg. Well, and just to see, yeah, dragon screw leg whip in GCW is not... I mean, there's technical wrestling in GCW for sure. And we get to see, like, every... You get to see everything in GCW, basically. But, yeah, I feel like that's not a move that we have seen frequently in GCW. And, yeah, love the love the pre-match promo. Uh, just really cool that... Like, the production value of this entire show, like you mentioned Leo Rush's character and sort of his, the presentation and, and his entrance, and, yeah, Dickinson's promo, cool to see. And then the other other things, too, like Jordan Oliver's gear and Atticus Kogar's gear. Like, I feel like a lot of times some of the GCW wrestlers are, like, in jersey shorts and, like, sneakers, which... Dude, I've seen you know. some of the worst gear ever <laughs> in some of these shows. And, I mean, it, to be fair, it was like... Didn't they do one show where they were, like, um, going as their earlier versions of like right and nick like gage a... was like mad about it like he was like what why did you call me that like why did he say that was my name it was all like made it was made up yeah early either earlier versions are like made up like yeah get backyard like, gimmick names yeah backyard gimmick for the backyard of yes for the backyard so like i've seen some of the worst shit ever but yeah you're you're absolutely right like uh people were were decked out this time like everyone was in full regalia and yeah dude dickinson versus janello delivered in every possible way crazy like spots really great story between them and didn't he come out as bam bam bigelow he did yeah yeah his gear too was really sick for this show his gear was sick it's so funny how like i'm just like not that interested in joey janela when he's on aw mm. but when he's on gcw i just think he's the greatest yeah and i think they they tapped into like you know his match with omega uh back at the or, like origins of dark we've talked the one about quite I, a the bit. one i haven't seen of course yeah <laughs> was, i need to watch that was really good his uh, and i think i don't know if you watched did you watch his unsanctioned match with moxley also back at like the original either fighter fest or fight for the i think fighter fest yeah uh i have it downloaded so i am gonna watch that main event yeah both no, both of those i i just think you know there's so many people uh in aew and especially at this point so i think like you know they have to like tap the right story for him to like make something like that happen uh you know like this crazy match where they're doing avalanche death valley drivers from the top of the ladder avalanche razor's edge avalanche single arm ddt onto a pile of chairs there's that moment where our chairs start raining in this is one of my other favorite matches of last he, week i loved this dickinson match, asked i think was it dickinson or janelle who called for like a chair to be thrown in and then like I think literally about 25 chairs got thrown in from the crowd. Some of them yeah. thrown, like, pretty fucking hard. Like, Dude, from, yeah, like, they, you could see them getting, the like, kind row. of visibly mad, like, telling people to oh, stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, and co commentary was pissed, too. Yeah, uh, rightfully so with, yeah, I don't know, having steel chairs thrown in the ring. But it's just so great to see something where things can happen that are out of, like, the control of, like, of Vince McMahon. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's Sorry, juicy. I just like I don't know why I was hiring on Vince McMahon specifically. <laughs> it's it cool is. that there's a promotion that it's like GCW. I think is to me since ECW has existed since ECW in the '90s is the closest thing to something like that, where you get like incredible matches like this one that we're talking about with Dickinson and Janela. That's like main event. Like this felt yeah like I'm like main event of Heat Wave 1998. Like you know 
huge spots, chaotic crowd that is slightly out of control. And then, you know, you go through the card and you, you have the six-man luchador match, crazy, cool lucha moves, uh, Rich Swan versus Moriarty, which is a little more of a just like wrestling match. Uh, yep. and you know, great stories throughout death matches <laughs> Effie versus Gregory iron, which was just like <laughs> so funny yeah. and ended with Gregory iron getting his ass dude. Yeah. And, and the whole story of that too, big Greg brunch. Like that's, that's so funny. <laughs> Effie's big Greg brunch. Yeah. Like that's great. Uh, and you know, yeah, just the, the contrasting styles throughout the card, I don't know. I I totally. love GCW. Ends with another. And... Ends with another just blowout, hardcore match between Ricky Shane Page and uh, Nick Gage. Like, not as intense, obviously, as the Atticus Kogar versus Masada, but just as dude, the glass are like, falling through theatrical. all the light tubes. Dude, like, dude, the light tube beds that are like meant to like break their fall on the way just down straight to the to the concrete. Like Jesus Christ! I maintain that it's dust. Yeah, spooky dust. Uh, I maintain that it's very hard to tell if they actually hate each They don't hate... They obviously don't hate each other because they don't want to literally kill each other within the match because they've had... They have cooperative wrestling matches together. Well, no one wants to go to jail, John. I know. It's just this... Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, like, most of everything, it's like, yeah, like, no, there's no kayfabe, like... It's just like, you know, uh, you can get lost in the stories if you want. And that happens quite a bit. But like, there, no, there, there seems rivalry, to be no love lost. Yeah, is very, very, very believable. And just watching it, it's like, these guys want to kill each other. Like, like, in a different way than like, we know, and it's cool that Mox is going to fight Nick Gage, but we know that that is like two old friends who are about to have the time of their lives in a death match. Like, Totally. Like, I, th- I think that's, it's like obviously a different story than RSP and Nick Gage, but. Um, Do you think that um, Nick Gage just hates Ohio? Any comment? <laughs> yeah. I think so, yeah. Since Cincinnati is represented through Moxley now, maybe Moxley will be 4 for OH adjacent. Um, oh, I never thought about that. Uh, just a, just a, a small moment that I just thought was uh, absolutely brutal. Uh, Ricky St. Page is sitting in the corner and it's got a light tube like right in front of his face and just Nick Gage just walks over and just kicks it straight into his face. Oh my god. Yeah, stuff like subtle things like that where it's like dude, these guys hate each other. Like, they they if they don't actually hate each other they're very good at conveying that they really hate each other in a way that has me lost. I haven't felt that way about like a wrestling match since like I was probably a little kid. Like when I was younger, like, after I found out, like, wrestling was predetermined, the next thing that sort of made me feel like, oh, wait a minute, this seems real, or added a sense of reality to wrestling for me were death matches, because I actually thought that those, I thought people died in death matches when I was a little kid. I didn't understand, like, that that was just, like, a Well, thing. they are called death right. matches. Like, it's, yeah, it's... so to me, that was the, where my mind got lost, like, when I was, like, 13 or something, where it's, like, I want to watch those but I'm afraid, but I'm going to. And it seems like I might see someone die and I'm worried about it. But And then with this, it's like, these guys really hate each other. And Gage is champ again. That It was, I loved, dude, uh, Brett Lauderdale coming in at the end and doing the count for Gage was great. 
uh, and giving him a new title. And then, yeah, the event ending with Moxley coming out. Like, this whole event, what more do you want from a professional wrestling show? Like, I... I'm so glad I that I, ha- I, you know, we can rewatch it through uh, the fight app. Like I, as we're talking about it, like especially like the Janela Dickinson match. Like, dude, I gotta go back and rewatch that. Like, yeah, uh, our spring break, like definitely one of the one of the best GCW events that that I've seen. And I'm just thinking about what you said about Gage and Page, um, because h- how much of like GCW seems written to you. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot. Like, it just seems like it's, like, dudes' personalities and stuff. So yeah. when pa- when Paige came in and, like, interrupted uh, Nick Gage, like, while, like, before, like, after his brother died or whatever, or after he, like, I'm just wondering how much of that could have been, like, shoot, like, maybe him, like, crossing the line and stuff. And Nick Gage just being, like, this motherfucker. And that's, see, that's the zone that they're in. Because I think he would have got, based off the way they work together, like, when you actually just, like, sit and, like, look at their matches and watch them you know, protecting each other in the way, like, everyone, like, Dickinson and Janela, you know, when they're doing their moves, obviously, like, look yeah. crazy, but they don't want to actually kill each other. Similar thing there, and I would think with that kind of storyline, it wouldn't be by chance, based off of how important it was to GCW. <clears throat> like, to me, it's like, that That was the wrestling storyline of the last year, and this match really paid off in a great way, so great that Nick Gage has, has the title again, and I, I would think that that was planned. The interruption of his brother's memorial seems like, dude, you're going to do this and everyone's going to... Like, I that I can actually very much envision. Like, you have to do this. Sure. People are going to hate you. And then we're going to have this great feud over the next year. Uh, year and a half, however long it's been. Um, that's fair. I, I'm trying to think of a feud that, like, we've been watching that's gone on longer. That's been, like, continuous. And I think it's like the longest term feud that has had a great blow off match in, in quite some time. Obviously like hangman Kenny Omega is like in the running, but that's been kind of simmering lately as like hangman feuds with other people, Kenny feuds with other people. You know what I mean? They're not like still locked in the middle of this, of this feud really. Yeah. And just the different things that delayed it, like Nick Gage getting sidelined in the summertime and like, you know, just, I feel like the the way it percolated was great. Like, you know, it sucks that Cage was injured last year, but at the same time, it's like great story. It drew it, drew it out a little longer. Had it allowed it to be the yeah. main event of this insanely great show. I honestly think, for me personally, this was my favorite show, or I would consider this to be my favorite wrestling show since we've done the start of this podcast for sure. Um, wow, that's high price. I think the last show that I would say front to back that I loved this much was Wrestle Kingdom fourteen. Um, Wow, yeah, I'll have to kind of like look, look through our our events to kind I of look at the grades. Like well. Bloodsport probably would be up there too, but even that, like I would say, rewatch it. Like this to me feels like I want this on VHS, so I can like you know fire it up on the next Saturday morning that Shavon and I are making blueberry pancakes. Uh, I think the be- the best GCW shows have felt like that, um, and I Homecoming and the Backyard. The Backyard was just so much fun. It was just so ridiculous. It's like if if talking chop mania was like an actual wrestling show right with like That's with like, like so, with like game. good wrestling matches and not just yeah. like yeah big lg full but it had that same sort of chaotic energy. dude and janella on uh, commentary on there you and i feel like have referenced endlessly with the like this looks like a beheading video from limewire call that he had at the end of that <laughs> i don't want to be associated <laughs> yeah. with this looks like a, ta- like a taliban execution <laughs> 
<laughs> I I was so shocked oh when, they, when they got blown up by that firework. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely. Thomas can attest to it. I was with him. But transitioning from that chaotic energy to just like the absolute complete opposite, we also watched on WrestleMania weekend, coincidentally enough, WrestleMania 37. And I honestly wasn't sure if I was going to be able to enjoy this at all, like when it started and that Kevin Dunn edit hits where he like, it's like in bad martial arts movies. It's like you, you throw a punch and then he cuts before the impact happens which lessens the impact. He does that constantly on moves. He'll like punch and cut. He'll cut on like every punch. Like, it's like, who are you editing for? Like who is so low attention span that they can't just like watch moves in a match for like three seconds. It was really killing me. And I don't know what the camera count is live, but they got to have more. Like we've been watching WWE pay-per-views also. And the camera cuts haven't bothered us within the Thunderdome, but I would guess that the Thunderdome has like much, like way less cameras than they would have live. So I feel like right. that match for sure, Kevin Dunn was like, I have 26 cameras. I'm going to cut to each one every five seconds because I have. And like, also just like. ability is there. For, for a billion dollar company, just like bad camera work, bad camera work, bad editing. Uh, a lot of the video packages of these two nights were just, like, not good. And a lot of this event had that feeling of, like, if someone were to come in here and watch me watching this, I would be really embarrassed. Just the way you feel kind of constantly about, like, WWE programming. And then just enough of it was, like, really good that it just keeps you fucking... Just keeps you coming back for more. I would say overall, uh, from my perspective... Sick WrestleMania, like maybe one of the, in terms of like memorable matches and just moments, I really enjoyed it. If you cut out all of the things that didn't need to be on the the show both nights, if, uh, if this could have been a takeover of like one like, night of, but also I want to say like uh, both main events delivered big time, but I felt both opening matches were just total bummers. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, I just like didn't feel like this was the match. I feel like at WrestleMania, you don't want there to be a match where um, MVP distracts Drew for a second, allowing Bob, like allowing him to not get his Claymore, and then Bobby like. That was such a weird, the, like flat ending. It's a yeah. Deflating. Yeah. It's a deflating, like raw ending. Like, it's not what you want at WrestleMania. Um, I felt like they just did. They didn't. I don't know. They didn't have it here. Oh, I and then yeah, kind of the first match, match of night two was Randy Orton versus the Fiend, which I still have not seen. I only watched the end with Bliss having the black. Um, just imagine, just like a normal SmackDown match, um, of like you know Fiend no selling some offense, and then Randy just like he gets distracted by Alexa Bliss, who needs like a motor oil change. She's got like black liquid like flowing out of her forehead. But she's also wearing this crown that clearly is, like, just a receptacle to, for her to bleed. So it's, like, a really boring visual. And then Randy hits one RKO and then wins. It's, like, this was supposed to be the match where the Fiend got the win back. After, like, Randy, like, burning him alive. Like, it's not just the match. Also, he he was burned alive at first and then he walked down the hall and he, like, anamorphed into, like, old Fiend. I didn't Fiend. see that. And that was the whole reason. And I was like, what the fuck? You burn this guy alive so you can then undo it and then he just loses? 
best call of the night. Uh, Bray is in a jack-o'-lantern uh, by the side of the ring. And I believe Michael Cole calls this a box-like structure next to the ring. Not yeah, a box. You a jack-in-the-box. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Not a box and certainly not a jack-in-the-box, jack, jack in the box, but just a box-like structure. I'm like, how you, how you could not write this shit? <laughs> like, they're so, so bad at their jobs. It's, like, crazy. Dude, but the main um, event of night text- one, come on. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks, I think, like... I. I was just going to quickly just, like, run through, like, the shitty parts of this card. Like, Tag Team Turmoil was just, like, so under-considered. Like, none of these people were tag teams other than the Riot Squad. Rollins and Cesaro was actually was really good. <laughs> Did I enjoy WrestleMania more uh, than you? Uh, in retrospect, like, I feel I think, like 37... Like, I think since the first modern WrestleMania I watched, which was, uh, like, five years ago, maybe, or four years ago, like... This is maybe my favorite of the current. Like I don't know. I just I, like, the, I feel like the, it's like oh sick they have these like like great matches like because you're not going to get like a top to bottom like takeover or GCW like card from WWE. It's just not what you're going to get. But to me like B- Bel Air versus Banks and I know you feel this way too about this match. Like that match to me felt like oh dude this is like going to be a classic. This match should be on VHS. That's a new standard totally. for, like, if something is great. It belongs on VHS. Uh, it was amazing that, that Bianca and Rhea both stood tall. To me, that was like a like an Eddie Guerrero, um, Chris Benoit moment. Oh, like, at the end of WrestleMania 20, where they're both holding the titles. Yeah. Um, like, that, that was amazing. The emotion um, at the start it, of the oh, match, oh, like, absolutely incredible. Just the two of them. What, uh, uh, Bianca? Yeah, both of them. Just, like, this is, like... We're here. We're doing this. This is the main event. Like, a crowd is back. Like, as dangerous as it is, it is like really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, a crowd was there, but you know, whatever. Um, no, like, like you're you're absolutely right. If you just considered like WrestleMania just like a bunch of shit, and then like two good matches at the end, um, despite the fact that like Rhea Ripley and Asuka had like no chemistry together yeah, that match, whatsoever. That match did not deliver the way I thought it would. A match that did that did deliver in a way that I was like, I don't care about that match at all. Was Braun Strowman? Well, Bad Bunny, but also Braun Strowman. Oh. Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. It's like I don't want to watch that match, but in re- it, like in looking back on it, that that felt like a fun WrestleMania match, like. There are big moments like Braun ripping open the cage and like Shane taking like dives. Like, if we have to see that, I mean, the end dive was the end dive was fine. I don't know. I just it's like it's all just to me. It's just like all for video packages. It's just like here's a shitty match that's got like two good moments in it, and we're gonna cut it into a video package later. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I I thought it was fine. It's just like it was fine. Kind of like what I was saying earlier with NXT, where it's like just accept that we get these great matches in NXT when we get them. And then oh, they'll move on. I mean, similarly, we're, we're we're still watching WWE. Like we could have at any point stopped watching this. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to watch every single pay per view, but like obviously we were, we were going to watch WrestleMania. Um, but it, it it is disappointing just to see like AJ Styles in like a terrible. I hated that match. Tag team. Yeah, match. if you want to talk about things like, we disliked, I did not like that match at all. I no, that sucked. I really that did sucked. not like. Almost and his blump, slow lumbering energy. It's like I don't know what else I expected from that person, but like, 
Do you remember on night two, we were like, who the fuck is this person who just interfered in the match? You know who it was? It was fucking Dabakato. It was? What? Wait a minute. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Raw I don't even remember what match it was. Uh, I don't remember uh, either. Uh, that's hilarious. It, it, I did not is, know that. It just imagine using AJ Styles in a match to just get almost over. Like, it just, it just boggles the mind to me. Um, but... I would like I, I I I thought that Bad Bunny was so good. I loved how like what you expect from that match is Damian Priest to wrestle most of it, right? And then Bad Bunny to wrestle like two minutes, but it was the exact opposite. Bad Bunny wrestled almost all the match. They told a great underdog story of like Miz and Morrison not letting him tag out, and so he had to fight the whole thing, and he just like came off like gangbusters. It was awesome. Yeah, I loved that match and the entrance. I would, and similarly, like, oh, uh, yes. Bad Bunny's entrance, like, the last, like, pay-per-view entrance I can think of that I was like, dude, get out of here. This is incredible. It was Okada's entrance at WrestleMania 14, or, sorry, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Uh, similar, like, big, big energy. And, yeah, he's on he's on the back of that, like, uh, like, ship, yeah, like, shipping container, and, like, it looks like he's like driving riding, the whole riding, thing. Like a scooter. Yeah. Yeah, and the song, song plays, like, that... And then he comes into the arena like that's like that is WrestleMania for sure. Yeah, no, totally. He he was awesome, and um, Miz and Morrison like were were doing good work. It's like exactly how Miz should be used to like not hurt people, just to wrestle people who shouldn't be hurt. To, he should just wrestle like old men who come in like Ric Flair, just like put them against the Miz. Like, you know what wrestling uh, Miz is a, like? It's like if you needed to have a cinematic match without having with it being live. Like he he had you you know nothing's gonna be hurt like you don't need to have a cinematic match if you have a match with miz miz will keep an old like old person like rick flair safe he will keep bad bunny safe and self he can fight yeah like there's no like you you don't need to use like a pre pre tape match with miz because and and that's like that's where he excels and like it's a it's great i'm sure to have someone like that that's like you could put anybody with this guy, and they are not they are he's not going to get hurt they are not going to get hurt and it's going to look great like the DDT that he sold for uh, Bad Bunny. <laughs> I love how many of those moves were just clearly just like Miz. Like, all right, then I'm going to spin you Directing around. It. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it super fun. I, I can't believe I had to watch like that five minute video package of like Miz and Morrison doing that like, hey, hey, hop oh, that was song. Awful. Yeah, and then I... there was like five minutes of like people in <laughs> Easter Bunny costumes. Coming out. Dancing like around I, the ring. Genuinely, like maybe That's what I mean hoping about, that like, becomes like a song. I don't know. Yeah, it's like. I think because I'm drawing through most of that stuff, it's like I thought you said drunk. noise. <laughs> <laughs> no, since yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. always, can, I'm working on drawings through it, so it's like just tuning out, out those moments, and then it's like, oh wow, Bad Bunny's doing a suicide dive. This is sick. N- Night one was fun. Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks was an absolutely incredible match. Uh, it was. Just yeah, so cool to see Bianca Belair standing strong. It was just like an you can tell it was like this is an iconic WrestleMania main event, and I also feel like they had another iconic WrestleMania main event. I I think it wasn't as good as Bianca and Sasha, but Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and Edge was fucking that was awesome. awesome. Yeah, you know what energy that had? That reminded me of the Fatal Four Way that we loved between Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman from SummerSlam. Absolutely, yeah, Battle Just of the like, Titans. Battle of the Titans, like it had that kind of energy. It was like Battle of the Titans between between uh, Roman and Edge, and then just Daniel Bryan just coming in every now and then to just drop kick somebody. Yeah, 
yeah, it's interesting. Man. Like that's see, this that's also like I mean I understand like I mean I on one hand understand like the internet's you know uh, dislike for Roman. Like I mean I understand where that came from, but I I've always enjoyed Roman. Like one of like my first experiences of seeing him in a match was that match, which that's one of my favorite WWE matches of this last. He's like, had some great matches five man. or six like, years. He's and had some great matches when he's paired up with the right performers. He brings this, like the he's, way he works a match. I feel like is like really methodical and like big moments. I mean, it's like similar to his signature and finisher moves. Like these big moments of like where he's like blasting out these moves and then like really calculated sort of like plotting around the ring. And it's it doesn't make sense that he hasn't been a heel until now, but it's like perfect, like a perfect move set for he's, a heel. Like he's Triple H. He's Triple yeah. H. Oh like yeah, totally. Yeah, when we loved yeah. when we loved Stone Cold and uh, The Rock, he and Triple H was just kind of the more boring one, but like also was awesome, and like didn't have to cheat to win, just was awesome and like killed you with the pedigree after like a really long, hard fought battle, um, and that's what happened here. Like at any moment, like it really felt like Edge or Daniel Bryan could have took it, but at the end, it was like Roman Reigns pinning both of them in like a really really cool visual. Um, do you remember the moment when yeah, Roman I, I, Reigns I really like that ending. Yeah, ending was awesome. Remember the moment that Daniel Bryan, or sorry, that Roman Reigns and Edge speared each other, like in Street Fighter Two. Oh when you yes, yeah, at the double KO. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like uh, two Blancas doing a uh, rolling thunder fire at each other. Um, dude, totally. I just also want to shout out, like I felt like Biggie and Paulo Cruz was a was a very boring match. Um, they didn't use the drums at all in the drum match. I hate when they do this when they make up a. T- they they do this all the time. They make up a stipulation and they have no idea what it means. I hear yeah. about it all the time from like Meltzer. Like they came up with this like uh, what was it um, something drum a Nigerian drum match. They had no idea what it was going to be like two days before WrestleMania. It's like why do you do this? I don't understand how you write backwards like that. It seems so crazy. But I I expect it at this point. Totally. But Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, obviously they had great chemistry together. I felt like that was very much like. Um, um, Cesaro and Rollins on the on night one, but the match yep. that really blew me away was Riddle versus Sheamus. Like, dude, that I was love that match. Awesome. I that like yeah. that that was the Sheamus from the bar that like I missed. Just like hitting crazy, they were just hitting insane moves on each other the entire match. Yeah, and we've been just talking sh- a lot about like a lot of these matches from all of these shows. Like a, a lot of the. Um, like the pairings or chemistry has been like a bigger wrestler versus a smaller wrestler, but this is a different sort of thing where it's maybe almost closer to like a New Japan match where it's like you have this like rough, grounded, like power dude against like, you know, Riddle, who's like a wild striker. MMA like, striker. Yeah. Like I feel like it's it's more of a matchup. It's it's rare to see a matchup like this in WWE, I feel like. And totally. it was great. I, I, I would say maybe my one of my favorite matches from this WrestleMania for sure. Um, I would say maybe my second favorite match after Bianca and uh, and Sasha Banks. Yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. And Sheamus is like like you said, uh, I I loved the bar as a tag team. Really liked them together. And Sheamus is a singles wrestler. Haven't been that ever that interested in until now. Like his match with Drew was awesome. And I think his it's match like with Riddle knowing was great. knowing 
the lane of the people. I think it's like when they try to push Seamus on us as a as a as a baby face, we're like, no, I don't like this. But when he's like against Riddle and they're just yeah, like hitting each other with these insane power moves, it's like, yeah, I can get behind this guy, absolutely. Um yeah, just putting people in the right lane, giving them the right opponents. Like, just because the WWE roster is stacked doesn't mean that, like, everyone has good chemistry with everyone. It's like when you when you put people... To, it's like we're Ripley and Asuka. We were, I, this was my most anticipated match, and I just felt like it was, like, totally fun. It's like if you booked a match for WWE, it would be that match. It's like if you just, like, were playing No Mercy and you felt like not um, actually playing the match and you just spectated it. And I'm just like, oh yeah, here it went to, goes to finish one, one finisher, it's over. Okay, this looked fine, wasn't bad at all, but just like nothing spectacular. But yeah, o- overall, it, like, I I liked WrestleMania, which I don't think I can say for last year. I don't think I liked it last year. Now no, well no, we yeah no no we I would say well I oh yeah we didn't uh, we weren't doing this podcast at the time, but. Uh, we definitely didn't because it ended with uh, Taker's um, cinematic match, which neither of us <laughs> liked. Uh, yeah, um, I really, one. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, WrestleMania 37 overall. I yeah, I've just been like, I've been amped up to record this episode with you just because, like I said earlier, it's like, like shuffling the deck of the different like promotions I've been interested in over and like most invested in over the last year, year and a half. And, you know, WWE delivered what I hoped for, which was, like, an incredible WrestleMania main event between Bianca and Sasha. And I don't know, yeah, like, there is just so much, like, good wrestling that with, like, six stories and, like, long-term storytelling and things that pay off in surprising ways, like Osprey winning the world championship, which, you know, that's... I was about to say, like... We did this whole episode and, like, you know, being fairly into, I mean, really into NXT, GCW, you know, fairly into this WWE show. And we've not even talked about, like, AW and NJPW, which are typically, like, our favorite promotions. Yeah, our go-to promotions, for sure. Um, And, you know, that neither had, like, a huge um, event within the last week. I mean, Sakura Genesis happened, but... uh, Yeah, we didn't talk about Sakura Genesis. Kota Bushi versus Osprey, I was, like could not believe it that Will Ospreay won. Like, I thought he was going to climb the card, but I thought it would happen at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I didn't think it would happen so early. So, I don't know who... who, who Who's Ospreay's first opponent going to be? Well, they have the whole, like, trio in the mix of Okada, Shingo, uh, Osprey. Like, it's... Like, the, Holy that are challenging. shit, man. Um, yeah, we're in for a sick year in New Japan. Like, you know... Uh, I think he, it, I, if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a little while since we watched, um, I think o- Osprey said that Okada has to wait for him to get through Shingo, I'm pretty sure. So I think like that's sort of the story that's happening right now. Man. But yeah, Osprey dude, those three, like, these are the new pillars of New Japan. I'm stoked. Yeah, that that's that's incredible. Also, we watched Rapongi 3K versus El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, which um, also was really cool. had had similar energy to that to the NXT uh, Triple Threat Tag Match. Um, I, I would yeah, Rapongi with new music. Uh, I remember feeling like yeah. I thought this is cool. They like got rid of like the Rocky Romero rap. Like I, I liked the Rocky. I actually really always enjoyed hearing Rocky's entrance music for them. Um, but but it was yeah, really it seems cool like they've entered a melody. new. Yeah, they've entered, like, a new sort of stage in their, like, 
uh, tag careers, and it makes sense that they have like new more. It's like more serious. I think Fitz show for sure. Um, just in terms of how uh, how many bangers he's had. Um, but yeah, um, overall, like very interested to see where the world title scene goes in uh, New Japan. Feel very excited, like you know, for the G One this year. Interested to see if there'll be any like. You know, uh, if we get anyone from AEW or any of these recent releases, like if there'll be someone interesting popping up, because you know, like Miro, Miro has in his contract that he can work in New Japan. So it's like, when is he going to finally show up in New Japan? Hopefully, the G One. That would be awesome. I would love to see him against a bunch of different people. Yeah, yeah Miro versus Ishii, Miro versus Shingo, Miro versus Okada. Like, I, and even it. yeah, and uh, just even Miro against a lot of people in AEW that we haven't seen yet either. Um, I'm glad that he's kind of on a little bit of a singles run now. Yeah, I'm glad um, he's getting away from uh, from 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 Kip. He really needs to like just spread his wings a little bit and just kind of be a destroyer um, outside of uh, yeah, just kind of feeling like the second fiddle to to Kip and uh, Penelope. Penelope. Yeah, the se- the the uh, season finale of uh, Best Friends versus uh, Miro and Kip in Arcade Anarchy, and it ending with them hugging, Pixies playing, like. I don't know, yeah, for, like, storyline and long-term storytelling and those kinds of things, it's like, dude, what more do you want? Like, the song that we all love is the soundtrack to this great feud that we've been watching for a while. Trent's returned. Sue's there. Like, such a great feel-good moment. Like, Yeah, that was huge. uh, Yeah, it's like, that's, like, that's what I'm watching AEW for is like sick matches and great stories. And they're really delivering that, uh, you know, on a very frequent basis, uh, very rarely, uh, that they've had, it's insane to like, think about the first, like basically two years of AEW and just like very rare instances of like a misstep or like, you know, the, the things that we have just like few and far between in terms of like, how incredible it has been. Um, Absolutely. I think the the thing we're, we're most kind of just wary of right now is like the amount of like either older wrestlers who it's like, we're like, okay, I think you could take a little bit of a backseat instead of wrestling on every single dynamite. And then also some, some dark talent that we don't know that much about that are suddenly thrust onto dynamite. But I think generally they have cultivated such a great, main dynamite roster and the fact that we're getting kind of like main events most weeks with like Ray Fenix in them just like the greatest lucha wrestler like in the world right now I would say like absolutely yeah. well and and that's true I definitely agree with that, that. Uh, both uh, Fenix and uh, just the way that the sort of the different people that have been featured in AEW are working right now because like you said you feel like you haven't necessarily connected with Joey Janela in AEW in the way you have in GCW and like it's just like the second they tap into that in AEW, they'll have another star. And that's how I've been feeling recently is like, I want to see some more of like the OG, like AEW people featured. Like, it's great that they're like, that they have like these new people that they're excited about. Like, you know, uh, all of the like QT's trainees and QT and uh, Christian. And, you know, I, it's definitely not those stories or like those kinds of things definitely aren't connecting for me in the way that maybe seeing like a longer story with Joey Janela or a longer story with Sonny Kiss or Sammy Guevara like those are the kinds of things that I'm like wanting to see more of in AEW I guess but you know overall it's just like dude to, to, to get like instances like that Arcade Anarchy moment or like the surprise of Maki Ito uh, 
yeah, it's like wild to think it's that AEW has been around for such a short time, but has like, yeah, changed the game and 1.2 million viewers last week. One like, point. I was about to say 1.2 million viewers. They're in. They're in the running now to like actually, like tie or beat Raw at some point. Like Raw, the second like, most watched show on TV, right? Like, I mean, demographic. I don't understand yes. the, the that those charts. Totally it's arranged really. by it's arranged by demographics. So in the uh, the key demographic, nineteen to thirty or whatever, eighteen to thirty, they were the second most watched in that Got demographic. It. But they were like they were probably like six that's what or those seven. charts are. It's like I'm sure Tucker Carlson had more viewers, but they were just like all like people on the edge of death, eighty um, <laughs> eight year olds. Uh, yeah, but dude, yeah, so exciting. Excited to talk more about NJPW and AW on the next episode of Torture Act. This has been another episode of the Torture Act podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us at Torture Act on Instagram. And guys, if you like the podcast, feel free to leave us a review. It really helps uh, the podcast and we'd really appreciate it. And it'll help us find new people to join the Torture Act Wolfpack.